it's hard to uh, get into a rhythm sometimes. Sometimes uh, picking up a new rhythm is a little difficult for us. Yeah, I mean, and, and uh, it's a little tricky. And, you know, when we're talking about a song, you know, sometimes uh, we're focused on the melody and the lyrics and, and we're, we're wanting to sing along and, and sometimes that's not so hard. But then when it comes down to uh, what's holding it all together, it's kind of this invisible thing uh, that maybe sometimes we tap our foot to, but it's the rhythm that holds all the elements together in music. Now, in different parts of life, I think there's moments where, uh, you guys remember our, our uh, video of the metronomes, and you set them all off at different times, but they eventually sync up? Well, th- you know, that's kind of what's going on in our world. You know, a lot of times there's a rhythm that the world is doing, and it's easy to fall in sync with it. But then when Christ comes along and shows us a new rhythm, a new way of living, uh, you know, it's a little hard to break out of that and start imitating that new rhythm, that new pattern. So sometimes it's not always natural to us. Now, what we're talking about is uh, rhythms that we see in the gospel, rhythms that Jesus lives out in life. Those things that are kind of the undercurrent, maybe not the melody or the, the lyrics, but it is what holds everything together and enables us to really show this one-way love, this thing called grace. And so what we're talking about are four gospel rhythms, the table, communitas, celebration, recreation, and it's dependence, a dependence on this one-way love that still shocks the world, and our world still needs to be shocked by the people of God living this out. And so we've got to figure out how to get rhythm, get this rhythm that Jesus has been giving us and showing us in the Gospels. Now, uh, last week, we uh, did a rhythm that's a little more natural to us. Uh, It's the rhythm of the table. Now, most everybody wants to eat two to three meals a day. And and if they aren't able to get two to three meals a day, they wish they could have two to three meals a day. And and, And so all the world does this, no matter what culture, where you're at, and really, coming to the table is an invitation to friendship, if you really think about it, because you, you, usually uh, there's walls that are broken down when we eat. And so, uh, since everybody does this, this is a natural rhythm that we all fall into. All we have to do is invite Jesus into it and begin demonstrating that one-way love when we're at the table with others and inviting people to the table. So that's a rhythm that's kind of natural and easy for us. Today, I want to share with you a rhythm that's not so natural. It's a rhythm that is really... Uh, a rhythm that may be a little hard for us to get. And, and that's what I'm talking about here with uh, this word called communitas. Now, it's, it's a word that's coined by theologians, and, and uh, it's really what it's talking about is this idea that, you know, uh, community can be centered around anything. It can be centered around, uh, like, baseball, like what Rebecca was talking about. It can be centered around uh, music or, or guitar or whatever. But communitas is distinctly a community that's around, centered around Jesus Christ. And here's the deal, is when Jesus is in the center of community, when Jesus is in the center of the community, that community is blessed, and they can't contain the blessing. They just can't. It would be unnatural to try to contain it and keep it all to themselves. And so a communitas is when a group of people take risks together to bless others, to bless others. And so, now there are some examples of communitas where Christ is, is not the center. And, you know, and if I were uh, to come to Asheville again and start all over again and, and start a church, you know where I think I would go? I think I would start uh, at a fire department or with police department. 
and I don't know if any of you serve, have served with fire department or with police, uh, but there's something that they get about this idea of taking risk. You see, because uh, you go to a fire department and there's all these uh, men and women who their mission is to serve, to bless others. And they're willing to take risks to do that. They even train for situations in taking risk. And there's this camaraderie among uh, people in the fire department especially that, that is, is strong. It is a strong love for one another and a loyalty to one another. And it is amazing. And if I were going to start over and trying to share the gospel in, in, in Asheville and start over and start a new church, I would start there because these guys get this idea of taking risk. And, it's, and it's, it's a little unnatural. I mean, they have to be highly trained to figure that out. Now, there's also some folks that, that are not just highly trained, but there are others who, who do things that are similar that uh, are not highly trained, but they're highly motivated. Uh, there's uh, some uh, social clubs, civic clubs that meet around the city. Some of you may have heard of like Rotary Club or Lions or whatever like that. Uh, you know, Rotary Club, they, they, what they gather around is the idea of we're all professionals. And so they get together, and that's why they get together. They share best practices, things like that. But one of the things that they gather, they're there to do is not just uh, help themselves. They say that they're there to help and serve others around them. And so uh, they make a, a mission to, to serve others in the community. They do these events and activities, and one of their big deals is they're wanting to wipe out polio from the face of the earth, and they're coming pretty close to doing it. So, you know, there's some honorable, good things that our people are doing, taking risks. But again, what I'm talking about here today is people who have understood that grace that melts your heart, that melts your face off, that grace from Jesus that you've encountered, and you're willing to say, you know what? I, the same grace that I've encountered, I want to extend it to others. I want to freely give it, just as Christ has freely given it to me. And I'm, I think I'm willing to do anything to share that with others. I'm willing to take some risk. I can't keep the blessing to myself. And that's the idea that we're talking about here today. And what I want to do is I want us to look at Luke chapter 9 and uh, some examples of Jesus demonstrating this idea of communitas and giving his disciples opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to figure this out and to get some practice at it, to finally get this rhythm that isn't so natural to everyone. Now, in Luke chapter 9, well, I'm just going to give you a little warning. Uh, one, at, one time after another, the disciples are given these ministry opportunities, these training opportunities, and, and they don't do so well. All right, so that's just a little warning, and I just want to say that, that uh, it gives a little hope to us, to those of us who might have a hard time picking up this rhythm, all right? So just know this is a message of hope. It's not a message of you need to do better, all right? All right, here we go. So we're going to look at Luke chapter 9. You can open up your Bibles. If you've got your Bible on your phone, it's okay. You've got permission to pull out your phone, open up the Word, all right? So Jesus, at the beginning of the chapter, he sends out the 12 disciples. These are the 12 that he has personally selected. He's trained. He says, you're going to come with me during three years of ministry, and, uh, and I'm going to be sending you out just as the Father sent me. And while he's with these disciples, he says one time, hey, I'm going to send you out ahead to villages uh, to where I'm going to be going, okay? So I'm going to send you out, and I'm going to give my power and authority to you. And as you go out, you're going you're to preach the kingdom, you're going to heal the sick, you're going to drive out demons. And so the disciples go out, and, and the power and authority of Christ is on them. Now, I, I don't know how this really worked out for them. I don't know, did they, you know, did they sense Jesus' power and authority on them, so they had a real confidence, and they're like, yeah, I'm going to rock this, man. 
Were they like that? Or was it like, oh man, I'm a little nervous about this. I've never done this before. But he said to do it, and, and I trust him. And, and so was it like, you know, uh, the Israelites when they're coming to the Jordan River, and, you know, God told them you're going to cross it, and it's at flood stage? You know, think flood stage, uh, French Broad River, and you're going to walk across it. You know, there's, there's a good chance you'll get swept down the river. And, and they were told to, to cross it. So was it like, you know, the leaders were there with the Ark of the Covenant, and they, they had to put their foot in the water before it parted? And there was dry ground to walk on. Was it like that for the disciples when Jesus said, I want you to go take these risks to bless others? I don't know. I don't know what it was. But they took the leap. Whether they had confidence or whether they didn't, and it was just sticking a toe in the water, I don't know what it was like for them. But it happened. The power and authority of Jesus was there, and people were blessed. Uh, the kingdom was preached, people were healed, demons driven out, and they come back and they're excited. And in fact, they did such an amazing job that the, the governor of the land, the puppet governor, Herod, heard about it. And he heard stuff was going on. He was like, hey, I thought I killed John the Baptist. What's going on here? And, and, and then he was like, hmm, Jesus, I need, to, I need to investigate this Jesus guy. I think I want to know about him. And, you know, just think about that if that was happening here. Think about if this community was like, man, we just can't contain this blessing. And, and we just were wanting to take risks to share this blessing with so many people that it caught the ear of the mayor. It caught the ear of the governor of North Carolina. And they're like, what's going on in this city? What's happening with these people? I think I need to know something about this Jesus thing. I think I'm going to investigate this. You know, that's the kind of thing that was happening with the disciples at this moment when Jesus sent them out and came back. And they were so pumped, they wanted to tell all the stories to Jesus. See, we went to this village, and then this happened, and this guy, he did this and said this, but then I said this in your name, and then this happened. And they were excited like that. And so Jesus like, okay, calm down, guys. We're going to go to a remote place. We're going to camp out, and we're going to have a little debriefing time, a little retreat, and you get to share, and I'll, we'll I'll invest in you, and it'll be a great ministry time. You'll be so encouraged. And so they go, and they go to this remote place, but guess what? All the crowds find out that Jesus is going, and they begin to follow him. Well, it's time to pray. Lord Jesus, give us compassion. Give us compassion like the way you have compassion for people in this city. Open up our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. And so they go into the wilderness, and as they're in the sorry, that's our little thing there, and, and, and uh, a little, little interruption. So, uh, and they go into the wilderness, and the people start following, and Jesus does what Jesus does, doesn't he? He has compassion on the people. Think of that, just what we just were supposed to pray for at that moment. And I'm in that part of the story. Jesus has compassion on them, and he, he says, okay, I'll teach them. I'll heal them. And he does it all day. And at the end of the day, guess what? The disciples, they got an idea. They got a ministry idea. And they're going to come and bring their ministry idea to Jesus. And when they come to Jesus, I can just see Jesus kind of going, as the disciples are surrounding him, yeah, I got an idea where this is going. I think I'm going to reverse this one on them. And, and, and they, they say to Jesus, this is what they say to Jesus. Jesus, we got this great idea. We want you to send the people away. That's their ministry idea. Send them away. Go and, and tell them, go find some food somewhere else. Go find some lodging somewhere else because it needs to be you and, you and me time. It needs to be you and Jesus, me and Jesus time, right? And Jesus just looks at him and says, you feed them. You feed them. And here's the, the, the first ministry opportunity that Jesus has given them on this taking risk to bless others. 
and he's giving it to them right after their big success. And, and the disciples, they start backpedaling. You know, oh, Jesus is changing up on us. What do we do? And they're kind of scrambling. And in their scrambling, their, their best plan is, hey, five loaves of bread, two fish. Maybe if we cut it up in tiny little pieces, everybody can get a little chiclet and eat it. And, 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 and they're thinking that way. And, and then one of them goes, I don't think that's going to work. Maybe we should go. We could get some money. And we could go buy some stuff somewhere. And then they're calculating time it'll take to get there and get back. Oh, it's just not working. And Jesus finally just says, hey, guys, listen up. Listen, let me guide you through this, all right? And so he gives them a plan. Jesus blesses the food. He passes out. The disciples help distribute it. And everyone gets fed. And there's leftovers. And there's plenty for everyone. Everyone leaves that day full and content and sleepy. And, and in that moment, here's the lesson. Here's the lesson for the rhythm of communitas in this moment. Sometimes Jesus asks us to bless others when we are under-resourced, outnumbered, and our ideas are busted. Why do you think Jesus would do that? Why would he give us opportunities like that? Because he likes us to depend on him. He likes to be the one getting the glory. It's just his mode of operation. And it's one of the things that we got to get into the rhythm of. So Jesus then guides his disciples, provides, and blesses the people. Next opportunity, Luke chapter 9. Jesus uh, travels on. They enter this uh, area called Philippi uh, where there's a lot of foreign God worship. And, and Jesus asks his disciples, who do the crowds say I am? And the disciples, they come up with all their answers. Well, some people say that you're Elijah, come back from the dead. There's some people say that you're somebody that the prophets predicted from long ago. And, and they, they say all their ideas. And then Jesus, he he puts it back on them, and he, he gets a little personal with them. He says, what, but who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? And I think there's a little awkward silence, and probably some of them kind of swallow. And, and in the awkward silence, Peter can't stand it. And so he opens his mouth, and out comes his mouth, well, I think you're the Messiah, the Son of God. And I don't think Peter even knew where that came from. And in fact, Jesus later told him, you didn't know that all by yourself. The Father revealed that to you. And, and as he spoke it, though, Jesus, Jesus immediately says, you're right, Peter. You're right. And God bless you because the confession, that, the truth of that confession, the church is going to be built on that. And you're going to be a leader of that church. And, and so Peter is kind of getting this, having this little moment, praise. And, and then Jesus goes on and says, but do you know? You confess me as the Messiah. Do you know what the job description for Messiah is? Let me tell you. Uh, Messiah, he's going to go to Jerusalem. He's going to suffer. He's going to be killed. And then he's going to resurrect on the third day. And, and uh, Peter, uh, after that little moment, decides to take Jesus aside. And Peter has a different ministry plan than Jesus' ministry plan. And, and it's a different kind of opportunity. And, and Peter comes to Jesus and says, Jesus, uh, here's something I think you really need to consider. Don't go to Jerusalem. Uh, suffering is not a good idea. Getting killed is even worse. I don't understand the resurrect on the third day. But anyway, I don't think we should go to Jerusalem. And, and you know what Jesus says to him at that moment? This is the famous line, you know. And this is, this is a line you never once said to you. Get behind me, Satan. Get behind me. And, and he gets rebuked by Jesus for that plan. And, uh, and so Peter's kind of flailing here. And, uh, 
you know, and, and here's, here's the lesson on the rhythm of communitas, on taking risks to bless others. Sometimes taking risks to bless others seems like an ill-advised plan. What? Suffer? Be killed? I don't like that. I don't like, I don't like any of that. You know, but the enemy would love for us to not take any risk to bless others, wouldn't he? I mean, what, isn't he really the one kind of saying, yeah, just keep that blessing to yourself. Don't, don't move out of your comfort zone, your little bubble. I mean, don't jeopardize that. I mean, when you hear that kind of voice, you need to immediately just say, get behind me, Satan. I mean, that's really, and, and if it's yourself saying it to yourself, you need to like kick yourself in the butt. <laughs> and say, self, no way, no way, get behind me, Satan, all right, so uh, next lesson, next lesson here, Uh, next opportunity, third opportunity, in Luke chapter 9, we still haven't left this one chapter yet, this is still going, Jesus takes Peter, James, and John on top of a mountain to pray, and the three get sleepy while Jesus is praying, now, and just, you, you thought that only happened in Gethsemane, didn't you? The disciples got sleepy there and just like, why, wake up, can't you even watch with me for an hour? It happened here too on top of a mountain. They're falling asleep, and, but there's something that happens that wakes them up. And that something is that Jesus transforms into this blazing, glorious splendor. And there's two other holy dudes that show up in the same glorious, blazing splendor. And they start talking with Jesus. Now, somehow the disciples, there's some sort of spiritual recognition or something that God gives them. But they know it's Elijah and Moses talking with Jesus. And they overhear some of the conversation. You know what they're talking about? They're talking about Jesus going to Jerusalem and the things that are going to unfold there when he's crucified and resurrected. So they're talking big picture. They're talking about the big risk that the Savior is going to take for everyone, to take away the sins of the world. That's the biggest blessing ever. And that's what they're talking about. But Peter and the guys, they got another idea than the big picture. Their idea is this. Jesus, no, no, no. Hey, how about we build three shelters, three three uh, tents here, and we can all stay here. And, and each of you, you know, of course, we won't have a tent, but you guys can have a tent because this is really special. This is beautiful and wonderful, and I think we should stay here forever because this is glorious. This is glorious. Let's just stay here on top of this mountain. Please, please. And you know what? As soon as Peter, as soon as it comes out of his mouth, a cloud envelops him, and a voice from heaven says, this is my son, whom I am so pleased with. And here's the last part. It's, it's a real polite way of saying, shut up. <laughs> Listen to my son. Listen to him. It was a polite way of God saying, shut up. And, and really, because here's the lesson on the rhythm of taking risks to bless others. The lesson is this. Sometimes we really like hanging out with Jesus and having a mountaintop experience. And our inclination is to build permanent structures and stay there forever but we have to keep the big picture in mind jesus just didn't say to his followers come he said go and we can't stay on the mountaintop we've got to go and and we got to join him in his plan the ultimate risk to bless others so uh, here we go, fourth opportunity. Jesus and in, uh, in, in, in Luke chapter 9 goes down the mountain with uh, James, John, and Peter. And, and they, they come back to a situation going on. 
And the situation is this. There is a um, dad who's just brokenhearted. His son is just getting beat up and having a rough time. And I don't know, any of you dads can relate to this. If you've ever had a son that's getting picked on at school or getting bullied, or you've got a daughter who's having a hard time and people are breaking her heart, what do you want to do as a dad? I mean, you, you want to go there and give them the what for, don't you? That's what you want to do. And, and here's this dad coming with his son that's being tormented, tormented, and he's pleading with Jesus' disciples saying, do something about this. Please help me. And the disciples, they can't do anything for this man. And they come back, and, and this man comes up to Jesus and says, Jesus, I asked your disciples to drive out the demon that's tormenting my son, and, and they couldn't do it. They couldn't do it. If you can heal my son, please take pity on us. And Jesus turns to him and says, if? If you can? Look, everything is possible for him who believes. And then he goes and he drives the demon out of the boy and then he also heals the boy because he was really being harmed. He was, he was being harmed. And again, that daddy's heart was so relieved. And, and again, you, you know the dad's response to anything is possible? He says, I do believe. Help me in my unbelief. How many of you, I, that, that is a sweet thing to say to the Lord. And I know many of us have probably been there. But it's a good thing to say. Remember that, that, that prayer. Lord, I do believe. Help me in my unbelief. And, you know, here's, here's the deal here in the lesson on the rhythm of communitas. Sometimes when we have an opportunity to take a risk and bless others, we won't have enough spiritual power. There'll be moments when we're asked to take risk to bless others and we won't have the spiritual power. But y'all know where we get it, right? Y'all know where we get it. All right, Jesus keeps bringing the opportunities to train his disciples in this new rhythm. And here's the next ministry opportunity. Uh, Next little moment in Luke chapter 9, Jesus is doing some ministry. And there's some other dude nearby who's also driving out demons in Jesus' name. And, but he's not one of the disciples. He's not one of those that was handpicked by Jesus. And so uh, John and some of the other guys, they get in their head, hey, we got an idea. We're going to go tell this guy to stop. And because he's not one of us. He's not one of the select group. And he shouldn't be doing this because, you know, this is an exclusive thing. And, and so they, they, they tell, they, Jesus gets winds of this, that they're going to go tell this guy to stop. And Jesus rebukes him immediately. He says, guys, stop. Stop it. If, if he's not against us, then he is for us. Remember that, all right? Remember that. And, and the, the big lesson here on the rhythm of taking risks to bless others is that sometimes when we go to take risks to bless others in our city, we're going to find out we're not so unique. We're, we're, God is already going to have their people there doing what we were setting out to do. And it's not a reason to withhold our risking and blessing. Well, we're not going to do that because uh, some other church is doing it. And that's like pride in originality, pride in being unique. You know what? God, when he wants to get something done, he just doesn't tell one person. A lot of times he tells his whole family to do something. And God's got a big family. And so we just need to know that we are connected to a larger plan God is working out in our city. And he's using all 
the brothers and sisters in Christ here in Asheville. You know, the next training moment in Luke 9, Jesus sends James and John ahead uh, into a Samaritan village to make preparations for his arrival. But the Samaritans find out that, that Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem, and so they refuse to welcome him because, you know, the Samaritans, they got a prejudice against uh, people of Judah, and the people of Judah got a, a, a prejudice against those in Samaria. And they, they find out that Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem, that he's not going to be sticking around in their village. And so they're like, nope, sorry, you're not welcome here. And James and John, they get furious. Oh, they're so angry. They're, they're like, don't you know who you're saying no to? You're saying no to Jesus, the, the Messiah, the Son of God, the King of Kings. You can't do that. And so they come back to Jesus, and they're like, Jesus, hey, we got a great ministry plan. Here it is. We want to call down fire from heaven and burn up this village and these people. What do you think about that, Jesus? And Jesus immediately says, guys, guys, this is way out of hand. No, no, we're not going to do that. Bad idea. And, and, and he says, we're just going to go to the next village. What's the lesson on the rhythm of communitas? The lesson is this. The truth is that sometimes when we take risks to bless others, it won't always be received. And it won't always be welcomed. But it's no reason to get angry and turn all thug-like. It's just a moment to move on to the next village, the next opportunity. Now, last but not least, there in this last part of Luke chapter 9, there are some wannabe Christ followers who come to Jesus and say, hey, I'll follow you, but, and then they list the reason why they can't follow Jesus immediately. And, and they give some, I mean, one of them I think is a pretty good excuse. I mean, it's, it's like duty to family. Hey, I need to take care of a, a family member. And, and uh, Jesus doesn't accept it. You know, and, and it's kind of a scratch-your-head moment, but here's the lesson. Here's a lesson on the rhythm. Sometimes you're going to invite others to join you in taking risk to bless others, and you're going to hear some good excuses. No, really, I, they'll be logical, good excuses. I, I mean, and you won't be able to say anything about it. You won't be able to say, well, that's not a good excuse. You're not going to be able to do that because it will be a good reason. But just know, don't let that stop you from putting your hand to the plow. Don't let it stop you from you doing what God has asked you to do and what you set out to do. Don't turn back from it and what you what you were asked to do. It just means you're just going to have to invite others. If somebody says no and won't join you, ask somebody else. Now, I just showed you guys... Seven instances from Luke chapter 9. Seven instances where Jesus gave his disciples opportunities or training to take risks together and bless others. And all seven times, the disciples don't do so well, do they? And Jesus had to come along and kind of clean up the mess they made. Now, if you remember what preceded these seven opportunities, was Jesus sent them out with power and authority. And there was great Great stuff, really good stuff that happened, from, going from village to village. So what, what's, what's the ratio here of success to failure? It's, it's one out of eight times the disciples succeed in communitas. One out of eight times they succeed in taking risks to bless others. Now, that's the kind of, uh, of rate of failure to success that you would think Jesus would be like, I don't know what I'm going to do with these guys. 
I, I might as well hang it up because I don't think I'm going to get my mission done if I, if I keep on trying to work through these guys. I might as well just do it myself. You think that's what Jesus would have said? But guess what? He doesn't. You know what happens right after this? Right, right after seven times of just screwing it up, not getting it, missing the opportunity, blowing it. You know what Jesus does? Look, at the beginning of chapter 10, it's right there. Jesus calls the disciples around him, and he sends them out again. This time, just not the 12, but he sends out 72 of them. He says, hey, let's get the whole gang together. Let's do this. I think we're going to go gangbusters. And they did. They went out, and they preached the kingdom. They healed the sick, and then cast the demons out. And again, it raised a ruckus, and Jesus was, the road was prepared for Jesus in every village that he went to. Jesus doesn't give up on us. And this rhythm, it might be hard for us to figure out. It might be hard for us to figure out, but Jesus, he is patient. He's going to give us opportunity after opportunity to figure out and get this rhythm. You know, two places at Highland that we're really trying to figure this out is in our gel groups. These are our small groups that meet all over in different places during the week. We meet face-to-face. And again, we're trying to build authentic relationships, discover that, and, and a loyalty to God's word. And Really, we just don't want it to be little huddles that bless each other, although that is what what happens and what we're going for, but we want it to be blessing that can't be contained. We're going to take some risks together, but we're not quite there yet. And and another place where we're trying to do this at Highland is with the Sunday teams. We've got teams that help uh, set up and pack up here on Sunday morning so that this space can be continued to use throughout the week, And, and, and we just don't want it to be just about this space and these but we want, you know, when there's more people and there's sufficient people to do what needs to be done here, we want to send people to bless people outside this place in our city. Where's the children's shelter, the, the, the fire department, the guys uh, down the road at the Veterans Center on, on Tunnel Road. You know, these are the things that we're thinking of, but we're not quite there yet. We're not quite there yet. But you know what? It's all right. Jesus has patience with us. He's going to keep tapping out that rhythm, though. He's going to keep calling you to it. And even though he's patient, he's not going to give up on you. And he's going to keep saying, hey, come on now. Let's get this. Fall in sync with this. You can do it, man. I know you can. You know, we've all received a great spiritual blessing from Christ. Ephesians chapter 1 says that we've received every spiritual blessing in Christ every there's not one spiritual blessing that's been left out for you or me you've got it all if you've encountered that heart melting face melting grace of jesus christ at the cross now if you haven't encountered that that's a whole nother story yeah this is going to be really hard to pick up this rhythm i mean if you haven't encountered the one-way love of jesus man it'll be nearly impossible to pick out this rhythm but if you have, I want to say, let's join Jesus in what he's doing. Let's figure out the opportunities that he's put before us. Communitas, taking risks together to bless others. Let's demonstrate the one-way love of Jesus to others around us. Now hear those words that I skipped over. The band's going to come up here, and we're going to respond and worship today to the word. But, but here's those words that I skipped over in Luke 9, the little speech the pep talk that jesus gave to his disciples when jesus was getting ready to to go to the ultimate blessing 
ultimate taking risk. And Peter was like, no way, don't do that. Here were the words that Jesus spoke. He said, look, if anyone would come after me, if anyone's going to follow me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life from me will save it. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world, yet lose or forfeit his very self, his very soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in glory and in the glory of the Father of his holy angels. Look, Jesus loves us. He loves us more than we ever hoped. He loves us right where we're at, but he's not going to let us stay there. And that's part of this journey of learning the rhythm. So we, we've done some things. There's some things to remind us of this. We've we got these little reminders on our seats. And it, just pick up one of those things, one of those little things that you'd hang on your mirror. I want you to take it with you. I want you to hang it on your rearview mirror because here's, here's the deal. When you start opening your car door and putting your foot down to pray, Lord, your kingdom come. Your will be done here. You know what's going to happen when you start praying that? Things are going to start shifting in this city. Things are going to start changing. You know what God's going to say to you? He's going to say, you know what? I'm going to take you up on your prayer. And I'm going to give you a little ministry opportunity. A little opportunity to take some risk. To carry out my will. I want you to carry out my will here on earth. And he's going to start opening our eyes to see these opportunities around us. Opportunities for his kingdom. For us to follow him. That's what's going to happen. So I want you to, I want you to take those things. Don't, don't leave them here on the floor on the chairs, all right? I want to see them on, the, on the, your rearview mirror. It's a reminder. That's all it is. It's a trigger. It's a trigger to remind you. Every time you open that car door, offer up that prayer. Because I really believe that things will change when we pray this. When a group of people will pray this for a whole year, what will happen in our city? What could happen? Oh, pray with me. Lord Jesus, I believe in your power and your authority. And for some reason, you're still willing to give it to us and to trust us with your name, the most powerful name, the name that is above every name on earth. And every authority and power in this city, it's above it. And every power, unseen or seen, has to bow to you. God, Lord, I pray that you would fight against those who fight against us in the unseen realm, Lord, that you would remove this spiritual pressure that comes against this people to keep the blessing to themselves, to contain themselves. And Lord, I pray instead that there would be an explosive power and authority to release what you've given us a blessing that cannot be contained but just goes everywhere out of us. Lord Jesus, work in your people today. Work in us. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me and let's respond and worship.